Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. Welcome in to your favorite sports talk show, The Sitch with Grant Mitchell, episode number six, hosted by me, Grant Mitchell. So happy that you all can make it. We've got an awesome show lined up today, but you know what? We already saw that was awesome. That intro, how was that? That was all produced by my, me, by the guy right here. Now, granted, I did get a little bit of help from a template online, but I had to go in. I had to make the edits. I had to find the soundtrack. I had to edit the fade out. That's not bad for a guy who went to school to get a journalism degree. Doesn't really have a whole lot of experience with that sort of stuff. You know, one thing I did do in college, I did take a photography class. And I've got to say right now, Professor, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. I did enjoy the class. I enjoyed you as a person. That class was not for me. I mean, I had to learn the rules of photography. It's actually crazy to me how many there are. And I should have known better. I mean, every profession is going to have all sorts of rules. But I remember learning about the rule of thirds, the rule of large objects, all this other stuff. The, the rule of odd numbers or whatever it was. Anyway, I remember this one time in the class, we were randomly assigned two outcomes. One of the outcomes was one of the laws of photography that we had been talking about. And another was just an adjective or a noun. So it could be yellow, could be large, could be intimidating. It, it could be scary. It could be silky, whatever it was. And we had to use that rule and we had to use that random word that we were given. And we had to drive around town and go take a picture of it and present it to the class, make all the edits on your laptop and all that and turn it in. And mine was the rule of thirds. And I forget what the other one was. It might've been something like large. And the rule of thirds is if you see three objects that are stacked relatively close together, your eye goes immediately to the middle of them. There's something else as well where the rule of thirds, in fact, I might've just butchered that. The rule of thirds might be that if you divide a picture into a grid with three, like on a tic-tac-toe board, you pick sort of the center points, so like top left, top right, bottom right, bottom left. Maybe that's the rule of thirds, and this is the rule of odd numbers. Anyway, whatever it was, I remember I saw three hay bales while I was just driving through town, and I hopped some person's fence, allegedly. It might have been private property, which is why I won't confirm that I did this. But I hopped in, and I was taking pictures of these hay bales, and I could see there were cows up on a hill about a half mile away from me. And they were just up there chilling, doing their thing. So I wasn't thinking anything of it. And of course, we've got to do all sorts of manual settings. We've got to check the aperture. We've got to look at the white balance. We've got to manually focus it. No half clicking so it automatically focuses. Uh -uh, we got to take care of all this stuff. So it's taking me like 10 minutes to go through everything because I'm not a photography buff. And I, I look up to finally take my picture. And in the backdrop of these hay bales, I can see 30 or 40 cows running at me. I was wearing a red hoodie. I don't know if it was like the running of the bulls. Like if I triggered them and they were all, they were all angry and they wanted to come beat me up or they want to come buck at me, but they were running down this hill. And all of a sudden I hear them mooing. I took the one picture. Our professor said we were going to take a thousand pictures. That's how many it was going to take to get the right one. I took one picture with this $5,000 camera that I checked out from the school's media gallery. And I ran and I dropped my phone, turned around, picked it up. And I hopped the fence as fast as I could. And I turned around and all of the cows had just gotten there and they were not happy with me. So I taunted them, obviously. And then I drove off. That's the end of my photography story. It was a fun time. I've got to be honest. I did enjoy the class. I went to school at Virginia Tech, by the way. Any Hokies out there? Let me know in the comments. 
We're going to move on, though, obviously, because you know what we do on this show. We talk about some sports. It's the Sitch with Grant Mitchell, and that Sitch is not audio and video renderings back at home. It is on the hardwood. It is on the gridiron. It is on the diamond. It is on all of the above. But tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, we are going to start on the hardwood. John Morant has been suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, there is a possibility that he could be suspended by the NBA um, I saw some rumors going around online of what the maximum punishment could be. I don't entirely know if that's true, so I'm not going to speak on it or share what that exact number is. But it was a lot. Let me let me tell you guys right now. Um, and if that ends up happening, we're going to have an awful lot of discussions to be had. There are awful lot of discussions to be had. But as it is, it's at least two games. That's what we know. Taylor Jenkins, however, the coach of the Grizzlies, said that Morant's suspension is indefinite. He's already missed his one game against the Clippers. Memphis is back while staying in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers on Tuesday night. That would have been a big game for Morant. He led and starred in a 129 to 121 to 109 over the Lakers last week. He had 39 points. He had 20 something in the second or third quarter. I think it was 26. He was just sensational. The Lakers couldn't stop him. Granted, Darvin Ham showed no interest in making defensive adjustments to stop his attacks to the rim. Mo Bamba's sitting there on the bench and doesn't get any playing time. But hey, that's another discussion for another time. Indefinite leave, what Taylor Jenkins has called, called it, I think is probably going to run over more than two games, especially now that law enforcement is being involved and Moran is being investigated. Nike and one of his other sponsors, was it Powerade? There was someone else came out and said that they are supporting him, rehabilitating his self-image and how he feels about himself and how he deals with the stress of being a professional athlete, being a young, black, successful man in America. Whatever those, whatever you want to call it, he's taking time away to sort of focus on himself. Now, I feel like that was a very PR sort of response that we got from Morant. We didn't really hear a whole lot of about him, how he's doing, what his situation is, what he was thinking on the night, but I didn't expect to, nor should any of you guys. And I do hope that he's taking this time to reevaluate where he's at right now. Steven Adams, center for the Grizzlies, he's been out with a knee injury, but he called a team meeting and reports are that he was just going off on Morant's behavior. Steven Adams is the veteran of that team. He's been in the NBA for a while. You don't look at him as an old man necessarily, but Memphis is a really young team. And so you need veterans like Steven Adams to come in there and sort of, you know, reel everybody in and have a players only meeting exactly what he did. Now, the finite details of what went on, we're probably never going to hear about them. They're never going to see the light of day. But I just hope it was productive for the Grizzlies. And I hope that Ja is having a productive time at home or wherever he is. This is my analysis on the Ja Morant situation. I don't want him to turn into another Gilbert Arena sort of player. And I could be using the weak analogy of they both were involved with situations with guns. But I'm more so saying that Gilbert Arenas had all of the talent in the world, and he just didn't really take hooping in the NBA seriously. We heard the story from Richard Jefferson recently where we don't know exactly what was going on, but apparently Gilbert was not focused on the national championship game against Duke the night before. If you remember that, that was the 2001 championship game. Duke beat Arizona 82-72. to Gilbert Arenas and Richard Jefferson, obviously a part of that losing Arizona team. Gilbert Arenas also just was so good at his peak, and he just sort of disappeared from the NBA. He goes to Orlando, and he just kind of flames out of the league. It was It's a crazy situation. The guy who was so revered and so loved and had so much skill, he just didn't take it quite seriously enough. 
Now, I think we've seen with Jaws improvements from his rookie year to his second year to his third year, obviously. He's gotten himself from rookie of the year candidate and winner to actually, did he win rookie of the year? I can't remember that. Did Zion win it? I know Zion missed an awful lot of time. That's going to be one for me to look up. But he was a top consensus top two rookie player, rookie of the year candidate, as we all know. And he's now an MVP candidate. He keeps getting better and better every year. Led his team to great success last year in the regular season. Had him up at the number two seed in the regular season this time around. He has so much going for him. And you can tell that he wants to be great at the game. But you have to want to be great on the court and off the court. And it's not just locking yourself in in those summer workouts. It's not just doing extra film study. It's thinking about your image and how you represent yourself, your franchise. Is that going to make other free agents want to come play with you? Is that going to make the organization respect you and put more power in your hands? It's all of these things. It's why someone like LeBron James and to a lesser extent, Kevin Durant, his image is sort of marred by his burner accounts and how mercurial he is off the court. But LeBron's a great example of a guy who had the national spotlight on him at 16 years old. And he just maintained a pristine image throughout. He hasn't been involved in scandals or controversies. He hasn't, he hasn't done a whole lot. He hasn't done illegal activity. You know, he's never cheated on his wife. He's never done any of this sort of stuff that is used to get put on the headlines on TMZ and other sites like that. Places that are used to not defame, but hurt one's image, right? And Ja... I mean, it's alleged that he had a gun in that strip club. Let's be honest. We saw the video. That was a gun. So John Morant flew with a gun. This is another part of the case. John Morant flew with the gun on the team plane, most likely. I don't think he went out to the local Walmart or wherever the little pop-up shop to pick up a 380 a couple of hours before playing the reigning two-time MVP. I don't think he did that. So let's just say that he had a he flew it flew with on the team plane with the firearm. He touches down, you know, is that thing registered? And now you're going to a game, or excuse me, you're going to a game, you finish, then you go to a strip club and you're waving it around. It's just not smart. And beyond that, as much as it isn't smart on Ja, it's not smart on the people around him to allow him to move in this manner. It was just a week ago that he was in the headlines for allegedly beating up a 17-year-old and pulling a gun on him. We heard a couple of months ago that there were lasers trained on members of the Indiana Pacers organization after a game against the Grizzlies. You can think about if that was a laser pointer, all you want. If it was a smart pen, we know what lasers are attached to. So it's open to interpretation. However you want to look at it, it's the, it's the problem that there's always that what it could be. And we were left to imagine it in that scenario. We saw what it was on that Instagram live. And it's just not a smart thing to do. I'm very disappointed in the people around Ja Morant. I'm going to call out T Morant, Ja's dad. You're at all of the games. You live close to your son, I believe. How are you allowing him to act like this? And Ja, as the person, you know, the on-court personality is great. I love listening to him, the, to him in the interviews. I love how he interacts with kids. I love what he does for local causes. It's great. It's awesome. But it's these instances, no matter how many good situations you put yourself in, these instances will mar you. They will defame you. They will come to be who you are. They will come to define you.
And it's not good. In a in a sport that is granted much more diverse than the NFL, but still largely run and supported by a lot of rich white guys, you can't feed in to that image of a stereotypical thug. And I don't say that as my stereotype. Don't get me wrong. I think we really need to look at the definition of that. I'm just telling you what the rich white man thinks. And what Ja is out there doing is exactly what that rich white man does not want to see. I'm not saying you have to bow down to them. I'm not saying you have to conform to stereotypes. I'm not saying you have to fit into the mold of what they want. I think it's ridiculous that we have haircut laws in America. I, I, I see it with my own two eyes. I go out and I see how white people talk about black people. And it's disgusting a lot of the time. And I'm not, again, I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying Ja Morant has to conform to the stereotypical white kid from a private school. I'm just saying you can't go out there with a target already on your back just for being black, an even bigger target on your back for being black, successful, rich, and young, and you go out there and you do these things to hurt your image. Ja, you're going to be worth a billion dollars if you make it through four contracts in the NBA. You're going to be worth a billion dollars. And you're throwing 10, 20,000 at the strip club, waving a gun around, potentially just to ruin it all. Doesn't make sense. Either the friends in Jaws' life are too cowardly to speak to him, they're too dumb to recognize what's going on, or maybe they're really just not his friends. Maybe they hang around with him because he puts them in positions of power. I don't know what it is. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that. Maybe they just aren't schooled to the game. But something's got to give. Again, T. Morant, your son, a week ago, came out that he beat up a 17-year-old and pulled a gun on him. And now now he does this. You have to intervene. You can't keep showing up to the games supporting him. That's awesome. But you've also become a celebrity in a sense. You are now a public figure. It is your job, it's your requirement to step in and talk to him and guide him down a better path. That's my take on the situation. I really love Ja. Ja is one of my favorite players in the NBA. I really want him to do better. Again, I don't know if he doesn't know better. I don't know if he feels threatened. I don't know if he's under a lot of stress and he doesn't know how to handle it properly. But Ja, I believe in you. I believe that you are going to come back from this. I believe that you will learn from this and you'll go on and you'll make that billion dollars i believe that you have the following you have the support to have that lebron james sort of you know reputation and ego 15 years from now when you're on your way out of the league you can be the og that people are looking up to that everybody gets along with i think you can be that guy because you have such a rootable making that word up rootable as in i can root for him personality and on court skill set as well It's also very important. Do the Grizzlies have a hope without John Morant? Now, this is an interesting question. Tyus Jones filled in admirably for Morant in that loss against the Clippers, which was the first game of Morant's suspension. He had 25 points, 12 assists, and five steals. Tyus Jones, that is. But the team lost 135 to 129 to the Los Angeles Clippers. They were outscored by 21 in the fourth quarter. That is a major issue. And I want to throw it back to that Lakers game just a week ago, again, because they are playing the Lakers next, and we're talking about one Los Angeles team, so why not keep it all in the family, so to speak? 
Job put up 26. I'm going with the number 26. It was 20 something. I think it's 26. Job put up 26 in that third quarter. And when the Lakers looked like they were coming back or they were ready to surge ahead, he kept slamming the door shut. That's what somebody like him does for his team. Yeah, I know they went 22 and whatever without him last year. That was an anomaly. Everybody knew it. They lost in the playoffs as soon as they didn't have him. They're only four and six without him in 2023. That record's only going to continue to get worse. There really should be no doubt about that. If anybody thinks that the Grizzlies, Tyus Jones is a criminally underrated player. I will say that, and I hope he gets his money soon. But they're not going to be the same team with Tyus Jones as they would be with John Moran. And they are in real trouble. Let me tell you, the Sacramento Kings, the freaking Sacramento Kings are one game out of the two seed. Denver's essentially wrapped up the conference. They have a six and a half game gap on Memphis again, who is probably going to slide if Morant continues to be out. The, the Phoenix Suns, they are three games behind the Grizzlies. Again, depending on the length of his suspension, there's a real possibility they continue to climb up that pecking order. I don't think the Warriors, they are five games behind the Grizzlies. I don't think the Warriors are going to finish as the five seed anyway, so I don't see them closing that much of a gap, and I don't think any of the teams under them are strong enough slash consistent enough to catch up to them. But they could easily fall to the four seed. That means you're playing the five in round one and then the one in round two. You really don't want to have to do that. And obviously, if you beat the one, then you would get the two or the three. So you're going to have to play two out of three of the one, two, three. It's a lot of numbers. It's it's a it's a tongue twister with numbers, but it's just not a situation you want to be in. Brandon Clark is also out. He just tore his Achilles recently. He's not going to be back this season. I was fading the Grizzlies to begin with. I've talked a lot about how I have problems with all of the teams in the Western Conference, and I have warmed on the Suns. I said that before I even saw them play with KD, and definitely since seeing them play with KD, I've warmed on it even more. But the Grizzlies were not that good on offense. I'm trying to remember these numbers off the top of my head. I believe they were 15th in offensive rating, 26th in true shooting percentage, last in free throw percentage. That's not a winning formula, especially for a team that's so young. Again, Steven Adams is your veteran, but he's not a scorer necessarily. And even the older guys don't have a lot of big game experience. For your offense to be bad is one thing if your defense is outstanding. But in the playoffs where the game slows down, and every bucket becomes more important, you need to have resilience. You need to be calm in the face of pressure, and you need to be able to go get buckets when the money is in the center of the table. If you're going to do that, it was going to happen with Morant. So that's another reason they absolutely need to get him back. If he doesn't come back at all, this team is gone in the first round. If he does come back, I still think there's a very strong chance they do leave in the first round. That's my hot take for the moment right now. Another hot take of mine. And I've been, this one's been simmering. This one's been building. The New York Knicks, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Knicks are a very, very, very good basketball team. Depending on how the bracket shapes up, if they're the four, if they climb up to the four seed, they're the five seed right now. They're a game back of the Cleveland Cavaliers. If they climb up into the four seed, I will not take them to get past the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think are going to get the one seed. But if they can avoid Milwaukee until the Eastern Conference Finals, I really do think the Knicks can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They have the ceiling for it. They don't have the floor for it. Don't get me wrong. They could lose to the 76ers. They could lose to the Celtics. But I'll tell you what, they sure as hell could beat them too. This team looks good. They just went into double overtime 
on the road in TD Garden and took out the Boston Celtics 131 to 129. Emmanuel quickly, a guy who out of nowhere had plus 50,000 odds at the start of the year, is now in line to win sixth man of the year. Gives you 38 points, a career high, eight rebounds, seven assists. And he was taking a lot of clutch shots in the late game. It was very interesting to see, I might add. They were trying to give the ball to Julius Randle, and he was awful. I let off a string of tweets about it. It, Julius was a black hole. He was putting up terrible shot after terrible shot. He did make one big three, but he turned the ball over a couple times. He put up a couple of bricks. This is at the end of regulation, overtime, and double overtime. It just was not working. So finally, it was great to see them just say, normally we give the ball to Jalen Brunson. We're not going to switch it up. We're just going to give the ball to Quickly, who's filling in for Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson was injured, by the way. Nothing serious, but he was gone for the game. And Quickly brought him home. It was just awesome to see. This is a not a deep team, but the players that they do bring off the bench contribute well. Josh Hart, ever since he showed up in New York, they haven't lost. They're 9-0 since Josh Hart got there. This team, they just fit. They have an identity. The pieces work well together. And this is the crazy part. They're seventh in net rating. And what are you thinking their defense is? First, second, third? It's 14th. Their offense is fifth in the net. They can really score the basketball, and they play they play a nice brand when Julius Randle isn't going black hole mode. But to his credit, he's making his threes this year. He's making shots. He's going for career highs. He's getting his 40 balls. So, hey, rock out with you-know-what out. Now, they could lose. Like I said, they could lose because sometimes when Julius Randle is off and he's just breaking shot after shot, the team does not look good, but I do like that they have the steadying force of Jalen Brunson, one of the better th- fourth quarter scorers in the league. I'm not going to say the greatest because he's only 35th in average points in the fourth quarter, but he's the only one on the Knicks in the top 50. He's given you about six points in the fourth quarter per game. A lot of those has been late game shots. He's shooting nearly 50% from the field in the fourth quarter, which for a guy who's listed at 6-1 might be shorter than that. Just awesome, really. And a guy also who just undervalued in in Dallas when he did start. He was clearly the second option to Luka. You could say even the third option behind someone like Dinwiddie or or, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Excuse me, forgot his name there. This Knicks team, they're good. That's all I'm going to say. I'm also high on the 76ers, so I do want to make it clear I'm not saying definitively this team will get there, but they do have a chance. It cannot be ruled out. That was a championship win on the road in Boston. Great job to the Knicks. Great job to Tom Thibodeau. Keep it up, please. I really enjoy watching you guys play, and I'm excited to see more. Another another situation that we've got brewing, just realize I'm putting my banners up. That's my mistake, everybody. The Suns, the Phoenix Suns, that is, sent a statement to the Dallas Mavericks. They went on the road, and they beat them down. Now, it was a close final score. But if you watch that game, it never really seemed like the Suns were going to lose, even in the times where they were down. They ended up winning 130 to 126. Get this. Kevin Durant, 37 points, 7 rebounds, 12 of 17 from the field. I mean, what a typical Kevin Durant game, a model of efficiency. And then Devin Booker gives you 36 points on 10 with 10 assists on 15 of 25 from the field. Again, extremely consistent. In the three games that Devin Booker's played with Kevin Durant, he's gone for 37, 35, and 36. This worst field goal percentage in all of those games was 50%. 
The, Devin Booker is the second option is just a cheat code. And until we get a team that has two reliable scorers and two really reliable defenders, we are not going to see a whole lot of teams challenging this Suns team. And I was worried about their bench, and that was almost the reason that they lost. Ian Wainwright gave you 12 points with four threes. He made at least three in the fourth quarter. He might have made all four in the fourth quarter. Good for him, but that's not going to happen again. Look at the rest of the bench. Torrey Craig with five, Jock Landa with two, Campaign with six, Damian Lee with three, Terrence Ross with zero. That's what I was worried about with this team. You're, you're not going to get a whole lot of bench production. Then you look at over at the Mavericks bench, 21 from Tim Hardaway, 17 from Christian Wood. And then you got to combine 10 from Markeith Morris, Justin Holiday, and Frank Nielakina. That was the reason they, that they almost came back because Luca and Kyrie, they were trying to do their thing, but they were going through inefficient spots for most of the game. Kyrie ended up finishing with a decent shooting percentage, over 50%, but he was cold for a little bit in the game. Luca just couldn't get anything going. He was one of nine from three. He had a bunny near the end of the fourth quarter to tie it up and get it to overtime, and he ended up missing. Durant sinks the free throws. The game ends up ending 130-126, like I said earlier. This Phoenix team, they're good, man. The Mavs are only four and five since adding Kyrie. It's a situation to monitor. What I'm worried about Dallas is I do still think they have a Western Conference ceiling. Granted, I'm not anywhere as near as, as confident in that statement as I was about a month ago, even before they had Kyrie. But what I'm worried about is when I watch them play, it just looks like such a heavy demand on Luka and Kyrie. And in a strange way, even though I feel like Luka is doing less than he was before Kyrie showed up, I feel like the strain on him is more because when Kyrie wasn't there and you had the other guys in there, especially Dorian Finney-Smith, you had guys crashing the offensive boards. They were swinging the ball around and they were hitting open threes in the corner. Now Kyrie just sort of sitting off the ball. And, and this isn't a criticism of Kyrie because this is kind of what he did with LeBron and this is kind of what he did with Harden and Durant. When he doesn't have the ball, he just kind of sits around and says, okay, Luca, it's your turn. Luca, you know, navigates a screen, puts a shot up or throws it to the corner. Then Kyrie gets it. Oh, it's my turn. I'm going to dribble down and I'm going to go. And now Luca's just going to kind of stand off. It's not that they can't coexist because they are sharing the ball, but it's that their styles aren't blending together, which is sort of what I think everybody was worried about. And we're seeing it manifest in front of our very own eyes. Now this Mavericks team can get good because if you've got a hot Kyrie and you've got a hot Luca, we saw them when they both scored 40 plus. They are hard to touch. And Luca steps up in the playoffs. Kyrie's leading the NBA in fourth quarter points per game. So this is not a team that you want to see. But if we're just looking at a broad 82-game perspective or broad post-trade deadline perspective, they're never going to be one of those top teams in the league. They're going to be your 3, 4, 5, 6 seed that goes to the playoffs, and all of a sudden they can potentially make a run to the NBA Finals. Another team that is looking maybe not to make it to make a run to the NBA finals, but run into the play in tournament and potentially the NBA playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers. These guys also look good. Now, they don't look as good as the Suns, but they are winning games. They're six and three since they got rid of Westbrook and, and they had those flurry of moves at the trade deadline. In case you forgot, they brought in D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mo Bamba. Now, D'Angelo Russell is out and he's still experiencing pain in his ankles, probably going to miss the next game, which is worrying for the Lakers because LeBron is also probably going to miss at least three more weeks. Might even miss some playoff time, which would really get to 
crunch time or <laughs> as a soccer as a soccer phrase goes all of my manchester united fans will know this sir alex ferguson used to call the end of game squeaky bum time it will be squeaky bum time for the lakers if they go into the playoffs and lebron is not back healthy and playing but d'angelo russell's out like i said lebron's out and they're still winning games now granted they beat the warriors the warriors are such a weird team man they beat them 113 to 105. The Warriors are the defending champions. They've got Steph Curry. If you are an absolute Steph Curry hater, you'll say he's top 20 all time. If you're a supporter or someone like me who I consider neutral, you've got him top 10 all time. That's right. I think Steph Curry is the 10th greatest basketball player of all time. And Klay Thompson has been on fire. You've got Jordan Poole who can shoot the lights out when he's hot. You've got Draymond Green. Yeah, he's declining as he gets older, but he's still one of the most intelligent defenders out there. And they have the fourth worst road record in the NBA. They're 7-24. and 24. Only the Spurs, Rockets, and Pistons are worse. How is that possible for a team that just won the NBA Finals? You just knocked off the Boston Celtics, who for a large part of the year were the best team there was. It's just so weird to see. A player who deserves massive credit for that win for the Lakers, Anthony Davis, the brow, 39 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, some massive defensive plays, again being the clutch scorer at the end of the game, filling in great for LeBron. I was personally worried because that MVP Anthony Davis that we saw at the start of the year, I thought he was gone when he got injured again. And he's come back. He's coming back right now. If this is the Anthony Davis you're going to get, I mean, like I said, the Lakers are, they're tied for the 10 seed in the NBA right now, in the Western Conference, excuse me, in the NBA. What am I saying? They have a real chance to move up because look at the teams around them. The Portland Trailblazers are ahead of them in the 11th spot. Lakers are in the 12. That's on tiebreaker. You've got the Jazz, again, tiebreaker. They're in the 10th seed in the play-in. So you can say, let's just say the Lakers are tied for the 10th seed right now. I know that's not how how matchups and, and um, what did I just say? Tiebreakers, forgot the word. That's not how tiebreakers work. But let's just call it based on the record purely. You're a half game behind the Pelicans. Can you make that up? Absolutely. You're two games behind the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers are one in five since they added Russell Westbrook. Do I have a whole lot of faith in them? No. Do I think they're going to win one out of every six games? No, I think they're going to play at least 500 ball. But the Lakers, I think, are going to play better than that. I think they're going to play winning basketball. The Mavericks, again, they're four and five since they added Kyrie. They're not going to fall out of the playing tournament, but could they slip down if the Lakers put together a real charge? Absolutely. The Timberwolves, they've done a fantastic job holding the team together without Carl Anthony Towns. But am I confident they're going to stay up at the sixth seed? They're only a half game ahead of the Mavericks and the Clippers. Could they slide back? Absolutely. It's there for the taking for the Lakers. Anthony Davis, I was just talking about him. I want to read you some of his numbers since LeBron went out and since he stepped up as the guy. 39-8-6, and 38-5-2. You'd like to see him definitely more than five. But 28-19, and 30-15. But the guy's been balling. This is what he has to do for this Lakers team to put together that run. And they are on the run. They're six and three. Again, they're six and three since they made those moves. Jared Vanderbilt has been such an impact player for these guys way beyond what I imagined his defensive rebounding, his pursuit on the offensive end. Anytime the Lakers miss a shot, he's jumping for it. 
Sometimes he gets the tips, sometimes he doesn't, but it's awesome to see. At the very least, it distracts a defender. He's regularly guarding the toughest assignment. This this team is also good. I think I I legitimately think they could make it to the conference semifinals. And I would not predict them to win a series against the Suns. I would not predict them to win a series against the Nuggets, but I would not predict them to lose a series against the Nuggets. AD can outplay Jokic. We see it. Jokic is great. Jokic is awesome. But when they match up, something about it, AD, AD tends to always play well. I don't have stats to back that up. But I know when I when I can remember watching them play, Anthony Davis loves the challenge of playing against Jokic. So who knows what they can what they can do? How long can they survive without D'Angelo Russell and LeBron? They really need Russell to get back. They need another three-point shooter. They need another playmaker, especially with Dennis Schroeder also dealing with a bad ankle. He keeps playing like a warrior to his credit. He was hounding Steph Curry all night over the weekend. But they need somebody, one of those guys to get back. Guys, that's going to do it for the Monday show. Thank you so much for tuning back in. You're probably all listening to this on Tuesday. I doubt any of you are listening to this at 11 p.m. on Monday night when this is going out. But, again, let me know how you enjoyed the intro to the show. Let me know how you enjoyed the show. If you like this format still, if you'd like to see me add some game segments, don't exactly know what I would do by myself, but we can get creative and we'll figure something out. Um, That's all for me. If you guys want to follow me on social media, my Twitter is at Mile Mitchell. Mile is in the distance, M-I-L-E, Mitchell with two L's. Same thing on Instagram. My TikTok is at sports.g.g. Again, TikTok at sports.g.g. I post daily betting picks and sports news, reactions, insights, all of that. That's where I'm the most active. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I look forward to being back with you all on another episode of The Sitch with Grant Mitchell. See you all next time.